What's up, NBA fans? This is our post NBA draft, post NBA trade madness uh, podcast. Well, trades, trade, technically, trades are not over yet. They could still happen as we're recording. However, we are crossing our fingers that it is at least over, at least for today. Um, but what an interesting night it's been in terms of trade. It, I think it uh, highlighted the NBA draft for sure. A lot of names that moved not only once but twice within just a couple hours. And we'll definitely break those down. The Milwaukee Bucks making themselves better. The 76ers making big moves with Daryl Morey in their front office. OKC collecting even more draft picks and uh, cashing some of those in just tonight. And as well, you know, we'll break down the biggest winners, uh, the biggest losers of draft night, and some of the people who truly swung for the fences and, you know, some people who stayed a little safe and did what was predictable there. But jumping into this, uh, Sean, what would you think of the of the night so far? Man, this this was a crazy day. I mean, this all really started on Monday, right, when, when the trade market opened up and we, we already had a few deals coming in. But today, man, like... There was just so many deals going on, I, I couldn't even keep up with it. And it is still is kind of like spinning around in my head, trying to figure out like which picks went where to which teams. And just so many pieces moving. Like there's trades I almost missed because there's just so much going on, uh, which I mean, it's just NBA fan overload, right? Like this, this is the kind yeah. of day you dream of is just seeing all this stuff go down and try to sort through it all in your head and speculate what could possibly become of it and like if these trades are actually good or anything and uh it's just yeah it's just so stimulating man it's so fun (laughs) yeah and some of these it's just a little too soon for us to really do an in-depth breakdown but you know we'll try our best here as some of these just happened literally just a couple hours ago and you know and this isn't slowing down we have free agency officially opening up in only just a couple days so Usually, usually we get a little buffer between draft, uh, free agency, and and trades, but this year things are moving really quick. But let's mm-hmm. start off right away with the Milwaukee Bucks, who made huge moves, and of course they're they're a big team who had who we all thought were we should be making some moves in order to to try to appease Giannis and and try to remove that bad mark that they have of losing in the second round last year. And they came out swinging, making the big trade for Drew Holiday, taking them for the Pel- Pelicans, swapping out Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, and three first-round picks and two potential pick swaps. Uh, for, for the 30-year-old Drew Holiday, 19 points last year and six assists. I mean, he's a, he's a foundational great point guard. Not quite the 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 consistent all star, and also I think one big thing that I wrote here is he's only played more than seventy games in three out of his fourteen seasons, so mm. he's got kind of a inconsistent history of injuries. So, uh, I mean, if you're gonna make a move, though, this is one this is one to make, and I, I kind of like this trade. Yeah, I mean, I oh man, it's so hard because I feel like Drew Holiday is not worth all of that stuff and that's the hard part that you have to get Mm -hmm. over is like this is obviously not a trade to get drew holiday this is a trade to keep you honest and that's obvious to anyone that kind of knows the nba is like they needed to do something and this shows that they did something does this make their team better though i don't think so i really don't because between eric bledsoe and george hill like 
Eric Bledsoe was a very good player last year, and a lot of people will say that Drew Holiday is the best defending guard in the league. Eric Bledsoe is really not that far off from him. He, he made second team All-NBA defense last year. This is a right. solid defender. Um, he can create his own shot, too. And George Hill, who, I mean, he gets a little bit of flack here and there, but this guy was a knockdown three-point shooter last year. Those are two yeah. big pieces you're giving up for Drew Holiday, but that's not even all you gave up. You gave up three future first-rounders, including the one this year, and then two of them that are like five to seven years down the line Giannis isn't gonna really be there seven years down the line let's be real like they'll be lucky to keep him for five more years on a super max deal but that 2027 pick could end up being like a top 10 pick which oh, oh yeah it, it for sure will in my opinion so there's just this is so much to give up for this guy and I don't, I, I don't know it, it's more of a saving face than actually improving the team yeah that pick could end up being the equivalent of a 2010 2011 or 2011 NBA draft, uh, the NBA pick for, I mean, the equivalent of what was the pick for the Cat Cleveland Cavaliers after mm. after LeBron James left that team. <laughs> that team really sunk. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it kind of really makes you think as well, well, this move might not have had to be made if you would have just re- been able to re-sign Malcolm Brogdon mm. last year. I mean, Drew Holiday maybe is, I think, slightly is better than Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, but I think, yeah. But I think Brogdon fills that same role that you're trying to get Drew Holiday to fill in here, but at a cost, a big cost, where you lose, you know, like you mentioned, Eric Bledsoe, a, a solid starter, and George Hill, I mean, not the greatest piece, but a, a solid piece to bring off the bench and just rely on for a knockdown three and making some good plays, a, a good vet who's been there and, and done that in, in the NBA playoffs. Um, <laughs> but I mean, this is what you got to do to try to save Giannis and Kudos to the Pelicans for really, you know, sniffing out the desperation in the Bucks' breath. Yeah, seriously. Like, they played them like a fiddle. This is this is just like extortion at the highest degree. Like (laughs) this is basically I wanna I mean, maybe not to the exact same extent, but this is approaching what they got for Anthony Davis. Right? Because you're talking about Eric Bledsoe. I mean, you could argue like, he's better than Lonzo Ball. I mean, Brandon Ingram is the piece that you're really not getting yeah. from this that you got in the Lakers trade. But you got all these first-round picks. You got two potential pick swaps for six years down the line. Like, for Drew Holiday. Like, this is incredible. Like, they've gotten six first-round picks between Holiday and Davis. Um, they've gotten a, a bunch of good young pieces. And now they, they add some quality pieces here. This is man, good job for the Pelicans, man. They they easily won this trade. I mean, if and if the Bucks do end up signing Giannis, they'll think that they won the trade, um, too. It's like, well, if we kept Giannis around for another four or five years, like we're happy. Like that's all they care about is staying relevant. And it's really gonna come down to who else they're able to get outside of Drew Holiday now, because the rest of their roster is is very much in question. Yeah, and you also have Robin Lopez also opting out of his option a couple days ago. So another key player off the bench out out of yeah. a Bucks jersey potentially. And yeah, so, I mean, I yeah. think w- one last note here is uh, mm-hmm. now this whole package seems pretty laughable when when some of the rumors were like the Lakers were going to attempt to package Kyle Kuzma in the pick for Drew Holiday. <laughs> like that, that was no chance. No Not chance. Not even close when you got yeah. something like this. I remember, I, I think I saw an article that talked about how the Nuggets were trying to get Drew Holiday too, and they were just stunned. 
that the Bucks were giving them this much for Drew Holiday. And like, <laughs> yeah, we weren't even a contender in this. But for one thing I will say for the Bucks for Drew Holiday is that what they do need, they don't need regular season wins. Where we can clearly see that they can get those <laughs> based mm-hmm. off the last two seasons. They needed proven playoff performance. And Drew Holiday's track record does signify that he is a playoff player. Uh, two years ago in, in the 2017-2018 the season, uh, through two rounds of play, he averaged 23.7 points, 5.7 rebounds, and 6.3 assists over nine playoff games, which shows that he can elevate his play when he needs to um, in those big moments. And I think that's what they were really looking forward to is someone that can get them over the hump in the playoffs versus the regular season. Yeah. I mean, I, I like Drew Holiday as a player. The package seems seems really too big, too big of an asking price for what <laughs> he is. But nonetheless, I think the Bucks really just needed something like this. They needed to make a move. They couldn't head into next season the exact same roster. No. Um, and 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 transitioning on the same note here with the Milwaukee Bucks, of course they're they're not done here. They made a move to try to acquire Bogdan Bogdanovic from the Sacramento Kings. A solid player, I think, who kind of floats under the radar a lot just because the situation in in Sacramento and he's been yeah. injured a bit. Uh, so they but so they got him based off a sign and trade potentially by swapping Dante Davincio, Ernest Illusnova, and a couple other pieces for Bogdan Bogdanovic. However, here is the uh, the monkey wrench in the <laughs> story. Here is that apparently Bogdan Bogdanovic did not agree has not agreed to this sign and trade. <laughs> so therefore, this cannot happen. Ooh. Because in order for this to happen, he has to agree to re-sign, sign with as a king, and then the king swap him for these pieces. But it seems like there's a disconnect here on whether he was even told that this was going to happen <laughs> or whether he even wants to go to Milwaukee. So this is a this is another tricky situation, I think, in where the Bucks could have gotten uh, a, a a good player, a really solid player. I think obviously they swap mm-hmm. out a, a young promising. Uh, a player in Dante Divincenzo, but I mean, this is the moves you got to make to try to bring a piece like that. Yeah. And I mean, it wasn't just Drew Holiday that they were looking at. They're like, if we're going to keep you honest, like we're going to have to really show that we're dedicated to doing whatever it takes to try to win a championship with him in Milwaukee. And I think this move definitely represented that too. Although, I mean, yeah, like I agree with you, like DiVincenzo is a great player. Ilosova has been really good for them too in stretches. Mm-hmm. So you're giving up basically all of your depth for these two guys to really bolster that starting lineup and then whoever else you fill in after that. But yeah, this is just a weird situation. <laughs> I've never seen this where it's like, did they not talk to Bogdanovich about this? Like yeah. they just assumed that he was going to take the sign and trade. Or I don't I don't even know. Like this is just so funny. It's like also if you're Bogdanovich, it's like I get that you want to like test free agency and you might have preferred destinations, but you're not gonna make any more money on any other teams because the sign and trade gives you like the max amount of money that you can get. So right. and you're going to a contender. I don't know what else you want. Like you're you're going to an Eastern Conference contender that's gonna be one of the likely favorites to come out of there to make it to the NBA finals. You get your money. I don't really know why he's uh, pushing back on this. Maybe he feels like uh, maybe the power is taken out of his hands a little too early. And he, he felt like he kind of was 
backstabbed a little bit by just being thrown in there as a piece when he's like, hey, I, I actually have control over my future here a little bit. Um, yeah, I'm, I don't know. It's it's interesting. Yeah, it is a little bit because he is still a restricted free agent, meaning, I mean, he could explore as much as he wants, but if the Kings are very, very adamant about making mm-hmm. this trade happen, they're just going to match whatever offer she yeah. comes his way. And there's and no reason they them. wouldn't match it, right? There's no yeah. reason not to match it because it's not like they have to pay it anyway. The Bucks are paying it. And they get players in return that are good. Yeah, and this is obviously also reliant on the Bucks staying faithful to this deal. So, I mean, it could just end up being a face-off for maybe a day, a couple days here. Or maybe maybe Bogdanovic does just get a ridiculous offer from somebody else in the league. And the, Kings, <laughs> the Bucks are like, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I'm not sure. Maybe it happens. Maybe I yeah, doubt true. it. But I think it'll eventually it'll eventually happen. I think we're just in a face-off situation for for whatever odd reason here. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Even like a week from now, maybe we'll we'll be talking about how like the trade happened and everything. But I guess so. Let let's operate under the the pretense that this trade is gonna go down. Ta- is gonna go down. Do you like Bogdanovich as like a like a mover? Like, does this move the needle for the Bucks at all for you, or is this just kind of more like the Drew Holiday one, where it's like you know the guys were pretty good that you gave up in return. It's it's hard because this team already won sixty plus games in the regular season, so obviously that's not the needle stick to say that Bogdanovich right. <laughs> has a certain number of wins. Exactly. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they lose more games through the regular season just because of the depth. But right. I think the true the true measure here is like I still think they still go either either finish with the first or the second seed in the Eastern Conference. I think the true question is how, what this looks like in the playoffs and. It's really tough to to be confident to say that this definitely gets them over the second round uh, because it all depends on who they end up going up against. They end up with the second seed or the third seed and end up going against the Nets. That's a dangerous, that's a dangerous series for them. But if they end up in the first round and and end up with a with a little weaker fourth seed, then potentially this could be enough to get them into the Eastern Conference Finals. But it's really tough to confidently say that. Right. And the thing is, this guy has no playoff experience, too. Right. He's been on the Kings. They haven't made the playoffs in forever. So you really have nothing to go off. Like, is this a guy that's going to come in clutch for you in the playoffs? You have no idea. Yeah. So I don't know. It's definitely a very hard to evaluate move because of that. And But I mean... We get to, we'll finally get to see what this guy can do when he's put in a more prominent role, which I think is good um, for his career and and for the Bucks too, because this is a guy that was coming off the bench a lot of the time for a Sacramento Kings team that wasn't very good. They just yeah. couldn't figure out how to use him properly, and maybe the Bucks can. Yeah, and Bogdanovic is is a great player. I mean, he's he's been in some big international games. Uh, he's got some big you know international experience under his belt. Nothing in the NBA thus far, but. I'm excited for him to get out of Sacramento and see what he could do in Milwaukee. But again, so much of it, so much about this team can't be assessed based off added wins or loss losses based off who they bring in. It's got to be assessed in the context of the entire Eastern conference. And Mm -hmm. uh, looking at the nets, looking at Boston, I'm not entirely confident that they're better than those teams. And Miami's still got moves to make Sixers too. Sixers still have moves to make. I think the Eastern Conference is is going to look a little, a lot more different 
in the next couple of weeks. And I mean, a part of it, it already does with, with the yeah. moves the 76ers made as well. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, talking about the Eastern Conference here, let's go, let's switch it over to the West. In the West, the big player was OKC making Oof. big moves. <laughs> so uh, many with moves, several different man. teams. <laughs> some a handful of moves within just a couple hours, but I think the big one is Oklahoma City finding a new home for Chris Paul, sending him mm-hmm. to the Phoenix Suns for Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre Jr., Ty, Ty, Ty Jerome, and a 2022 uh, first-round pick, essentially the same package for Drew Holiday that <laughs> the Bucks sent out. <laughs> Not exactly, but uh, nonetheless... Less picks, sun- less picks there. <laughs> yeah, less picks, but nonetheless, the Phoenix Suns really swung here and Sean, you weren't liking this rumor, and and I was. Yeah. I, I think I think I respected it. I respected it a little <laughs> bit more than you did. Well, it's just think about like what you're really doing if you're the Phoenix Suns. You're locking yourself into like the seven mm-hmm. eight seed in the playoffs, and that's not gonna get you anywhere. You're not gonna beat the Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets. Now, maybe Warriors, depending on what Clay Thompson's looking like, which we'll, we'll talk about later, unfortunately. But yeah. like this isn't this doesn't make you a, a contender for a championship. And you're paying this guy upwards of $40 million a year in the twilight of his career. It's like, I know he had an amazing season last year, huge bounce back season for a guy that we thought was washed up already. Um, kind of getting a little bit of a second wind in his career here, which is awesome. But is this your window right now is to go all in on a guy like this? This is a move that we were talking about, like the Milwaukee Bucks would make because they are all in on right now with Giannis. But you got guys in like Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton are so young. And the rest of this team, like Mikal Bridges, uh, Cam Johnson, like they're all so young. Like this is not your time to win. Your time to win is in like three, four years when it's like you and the Pelicans going after it. But uh, yeah, this this just doesn't make sense to me unless you just are like tired of not making the playoffs. I think that's really what it comes down to. They have a brand new practice facility. They made big renovations to their stadium. I heard that Uh, practice facility was pretty dope by the way. It's pretty expensive (laughs) and it better be good looking. It was subsidized by the Phoenix suns uh, taxpayers. Uh, (laughs) Not sure I feel about that, but you know, that's a different conversation for another day. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I th- I think I think Robert Sovereign feels pressure. I think the front office feels pressure. They have a young star in in Devin Booker and another potential one in DeAndre Aiden. And I mean, if Booker's the first domino piece to fall, and not want to be on this roster anymore or this franchise. And who's to say that you can actually keep DeAndre Aiden? And I feel like this team has just consistently fallen on its own legs over and over again with bad moves. And I, I think this is essentially just just a fast way to to get back into the playoffs, which they probably could have been well a couple times. Now, if you look at the timeline, (laughs) there are moves they've made, but this is one that they hope is rings positive and just gets them into the playoffs. Uh, I think they're feeling pressure from several different, different places. Yeah. But I mean, at the end of the day, like, I don't think it's a good move. Like I I stand by that, but will this team be fun to watch? Definitely. Like, I, I mean, they were already fun to watch last year. Though is the thing like, uh, listening to them in, like in the in the bubble like listening to their games on the radio was like as entertaining for me as like any other bubbled game like just yeah. watching them win and watching them succeed and seeing all the ball distribution go around and 
everyone having a good time. They're like, that was an awesome team. And, and I don't really feel like Chris Paul changes that. Like, I don't think he adds that much more of a dynamic. Um, it'll make them a little better. But yeah, I, I still feel like at the end of the day, he's 36 years old. Um, Devin Booker's still going to be doing a majority of everything. Um, and, and they really just have to hope DeAndre Ayton becomes an all-star because otherwise, yeah, you're, yeah it, there's really not that much to be excited about with this trade, unfortunately. Yeah, and I think we're judging it based off the context of what we've already seen. Like, I, I don't think, I mean, I could see Devin Booker continuing to get better, but I, I think the big jump, I think he's already made that big jump in, in, yeah. in terms of like what his ceiling is as a talent. I don't think we've seen that in DeAndre Ayton yet, so... no. There's always that chance, right? Like DeAndre Aiden oh, yeah. actually jumps out and becomes a top three big man in this league. Totally. I mean, it's his third year in the league. Like, definitely give this guy a chance to get there. I'd give him another three years even. Yeah, if he gets up there, I don't know, all of a sudden he's right there with Carl Anthony Towns or surpasses Towns. And then, I mean, that's huge. That that's that. Now this trade is looking, this roster is looking a little bit different. But yeah, I mean, if it's not, if it's if he's not ready to make that jump yet, which would be understandable going into only his fourth year, then you're only one Chris Paul injury away from being <laughs> worse than you were last year. So yeah, there's oh, still boy. there is that there is that there is that side of the coin, which is yeah. you know, not a very crazy scenario to think about when Chris Paul, 36, he already battled his injuries the yeah, last... Yeah, they better hire the best training staff available. Like, OKC got an anomaly with Chris mm-hmm. Paul. I don't think... He, I think he missed a single game, and it wasn't for injury. It was because of, of Kobe Bryant's death, and oh, he was right. mourning that. Like, that's the only game he missed the entire season, which is just crazy to think about for a 35-year-old guy just being as durable as he looked. Ah, man, can he keep that up for another year? Oh, man. With the shortened schedule and everything and all the games being so fast, I, I don't know, man. This The format might not work very well in his favor. Yeah, we'll see. And this is a young roster, too, that wants to get up and down the court. But we'll yeah. see what Monty Williams can cook up for this team. And on the other side of that, I mean, we can talk about what OKC is getting uh, Kelly Oubre, you know, solid young talent. Tyro Jerome, we'll see. And, of course, yeah. another pick that he wants. <laughs> <Another> but <pick. laughs> There's no reason to really dissect what Ricky Rubio has to the OKC roster because he's already been flipped <laughs> to the Timberwolves with for the 25th. With, oh, he flipped over to the Timberwolves with the 25th and 28th OKC picks for the number 17 pick. Um this one is interesting, number 17. Uh, we can talk about it later as well, but yeah. this man, I can't pronounce his name, Alec. Let's Alex not Sej. try. <laughs> but right, anyways, Alec Sej Pokusevsky. Pokusevsky. Yeah. Yeah, but this is a total <laughs> Sam Presti, like potentially underlying Giannis or Jokic type guy. He's from Serbia. Mm. He is quoted as the steal of the draft oh, from Kevin wow. O'Connor, <laughs> ringer. So I mean, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people who have their eyes on him. He's one of these guys, seven footer, youngest guy out of the first round here. Uh, so it's a big project, and if there's a team that can handle a big project right now, it's OKC. <laughs> so this is who they got. They're willing to let go of a vet and Ricky Rubio and two picks for him, and then the T Wolves. They get a Ricky Rubio who just had a career year with the Suns, averaging the highest three-point percentage shooting at 36%, nine assists, and 13 points. So 
that's not that's not too bad to add to a yeah. roster that that's looking to also just keep making moves. Yeah, I mean that's a great backup too for for D'Angelo Russell, a guy that you yeah. can really learn from because I mean Ricky Rubio has been in the league for a while now, and he, he was even on the Timberwolves for a long time. I think that's where he yeah. started his career, so he knows that organization. It probably looks a little different than when he was there, but he he knows them at least a little bit. I'd like to think and. Uh, just having a good backup to D'Angelo Russell there can't hurt. And, I mean, they got two first-round picks out of it still. Like, yeah. Oklahoma City seemed like they really wanted this dude. Supposedly steal of the draft that uh, maybe will look really dumb a few years from now for not being able to pronounce his name or not really knowing anything about him. But, yeah, yeah, for now, it just looks like OKC was, like, really hungry for this guy and the Timberwolves were able to get two picks out of it still, which I think is, is great for them. It's like, they're just adding more depth to their team outside of getting a solid backup point guard. Yeah. And the total count now goes to 17 draft picks for OKC until 2026. Oh, that's man. a, that's a, that's a little bit more than an NBA roster in of itself <laughs> right there. The OKC that is insane. <laughs> that is insane, dude. I just, they better make a huge move in the next like three years with some of these picks because like you just can't hold on to this many picks. Like it just yeah. won't get you anywhere. You'll just always be. And I think I actually heard. I don't remember if it was maybe like Jalen Rose or someone talking about this on ESPN that you can't just be the farm project team in the NBA where you just have guys and you develop them for a few years and then they go out and they actually become great players in other places. Like that's yep, what exactly. OKC is becoming. And with all these draft picks, it seems like they're bound to be that for the next five, six years. They have to get out of that by giving up some of these draft picks to get an actual bona fide star player. So yeah. we'll have to see who they really gambled or they put their chips in on because it's going to be somebody. They can't just use all these draft picks for drafting people. Exactly. And you can never really truly judge players based off their you know, even their first their first set of their first rookie contract, even after four right. years, some of these guys still figure out a way to break out and, and truly come into their own in their fifth, sixth, seventh year in the league. <laughs> or Kyle Lowry took them until like 28 years old to truly yeah. come to form. Like, <laughs> so, real. yeah, I mean, that's true. Like it could easily you could easily become a situation where you get a, a draft pick and you hold on to him to his last year of his rookie deal. And instead of offering him an extension, you flip him. Mm-hmm. And then you flip him, and then two years later, he ends up being the player that you thought you wanted, and you know yeah. he's not yours anymore. So <laughs> that could easily be a situation that oh, OKC yeah. can find themselves in. But in terms of other deals that this this team made, they're not done yet, and they they helped the 76ers make a step. This is forward. the biggest signifying of tank out of all the moves. Like all the moves yeah. together, are like yeah, they're tanking, but this specific move is like, yeah, they want to be the last place team in the league next year. Yeah. To me, this, this is just screaming. Like we got to meet the cap minimum. We got to actually have some <laughs> NBA respectable contract yeah, <laughs> on our roster. And why don't we just go after probably the guy, the worst guy on that dollar amount. <laughs> And that's Al Horford, OKC trading for Al Horford uh, and a few picks from the 76ers. And they're sending Danny Green and Terrence Ferguson over. Uh, Daryl Morey just really striking gold here by getting rid of this contract. But I mean, crazy as a whole, it's still to me, this is the worst contract ever signed. And this stamps (laughs) the deal for me because that 
that bucket of money that offseason could have easily Ooh. been Jimmy Butler, and instead oh. it became Al Horford, Al Horford, who did nothing for you. <laughs> and Jason, Josh Richardson, too. Yeah, and now that's become Danny Green and Terrence Ferguson. Ooh. Wow. Oh, man. But, I mean, I think this is actually really good for the Sixers, too, because Danny Green is not just about losing Al Horford. Like, Danny Green does fill a need for them in that True. he yep. should be a good three-point shooter and defender. And yeah. I know a lot of Laker fans will give him a lot of flack for not doing exactly that in the playoffs, but this is a guy that can be that player. Like he should be one of the premier three and D players in the league. And that yep. is something that they desperately need. Yeah. And I mean, I, I mean, Danny green maybe has something, something about him because he, he, he's on winning teams. He's been on winning teams. Like, <laughs> yeah, and they he's might got that just championship to- aura. <laughs> yeah, it could just be total luck, just career luck, but he championships like Robert with the Spurs. <laughs> yeah, and even when they're not winning championships, they've always been – he's been into multiple playoff rounds more than a lot of guys in this league. So they get mm-hmm. that type of guy. Terrence Ferguson, a nice young wing. They needed some youth on that roster, especially on the wings, and they got that with this guy. So, yes, judging it, just looking at this trade in of itself, uh, then the 76ers totally got what they needed, got this big contract off of their books and brought in two, 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 two solid guys, and it's a new day for them. But I guess for me it's more like looking at it through the whole thing of what they did last year with that bucket of money, and they <laughs> gave it to Al Horford, and that seemed like a terrible decision. Yeah, uh, and I mean they obviously they're not they got themselves out of this debt, so that's a solid win for them. Yeah, and then on top of that, going into this next deal, we're talking about Dallas acquiring from them Josh Richardson along with the number thirty six pick in this draft for Seth Curry, which yeah. I think is a fantastic move for the Sixers and. I think it's funny that we give Daryl Morey the credit for any yeah, moves that true. happen from here on out when Elton Brand is still the GM. Yeah. But I mean, now we've just seen like two of the biggest moves that Elton Brand made last offseason basically get completely reversed. <laughs> total reset here. But yeah, Seth Curry again bringing them that three point shooting that they desperately lacked. Um, that Josh Richardson was was supposed to kind of help them out as a shooter, but ended up being a pretty poor shooter in this system. And I mean, Seth yeah. Curry is one of the best shooters in the league, so that that's another big win for the Sixers team. Who I mean, they remade their roster a little bit, and I think it, it's definitely in their favor now. Which I think the construction of it looks a lot better um, uh, on I, paper. I, I think so too. And I was just going to say, I feel like these little wins in trades are what a true GM does <laughs> Elton brand would have swung the fences and gone for Westbrook. Oh, I he think totally would have. <laughs> that's an Elton brand trade. That's his yeah. trademark. Flashy, Darryl, flashy yeah. with no substance. Exactly. Whereas a real GM a professional will be like, okay, we got to make little wins, you know, get these little wins and, mm-hmm. and really round mm-hmm. out things. And this is what this is. It's like they rounded each one, each one of these little trades wasn't flashy, but when you put them all together and you look at this new starting five, you're like, okay, those were good moves. Like now you have Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Danny Green, Tobias Harris at the four, Joel Embiid at the five. Now you got three solid shooters around a big man and a really fantastic guy who can do everything except shoot the ball. Well, <laughs> this looks like a real good complimentary r- roster. It looks a mm-hmm. lot better than what was there before. 
And I mean, I think that once free agency starts, I got to think they're probably going to still keep trying to make little tweaks here as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It it does help to have that GM experience that Maury has. I mean, it's kind of like when the Clippers brought in Jerry West as a quote unquote consultant, like we kind of credited him with every single move that they made (laughs) from then on out, even though he's not the GM. Um, But yeah, I mean, this, this organization does seem like it's making a lot smarter moves that just they're actually substantial moves that will make this roster better. Uh, I, I bet Doc Rivers even had some say in the players that he wanted. I mean, he, he Seth Curry's his son-in-law, so yeah, <laughs> he true. got a little bit of love there. Um, maybe and, the better the better son-in-law that he's and, had. Uh, hey, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe, def- yeah, Paul George definitely not on that list. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think that these are great moves for them and for OKC. Man, uh, they're just they. Uh, do you think they're gonna? Sw- <laughs> now flip al horford or are they gonna buy him out or are they just gonna hold on to this atrocious contract for the the duration it's way too big to to buy out i mean unless (laughs) al horford is is desperate to get out of it which i'm sure he's kind of like what did i just get myself into and i think al horford and chris ball should be big lessons for all NBA <laughs> players of what happens when you sign that super max deal and you're mm-hmm. not quite worth it yeah. in terms of like where you're at in age yep. you're, is that this is what's going to happen to you is you're just going to be a hot potato thrown around the league and it's going to be really difficult for you to get bought out because your number is so big and it's so difficult for teams <laughs> to also formulate trades around you. So this is a big lesson, but I think I think he's got to be there for at least a year, maybe a year and a half, probably two yeah. before he can actually I get mean, bought out. I mean, maybe they could do what they did with Chris Paul, and he actually has a resurgent year this year on OKC, and then that increases his trade value, and they can flip him next year. Yeah, that's possible too. The three years are tough to swallow for this guy. Um, oh, yeah, but, for sure. <laughs> yeah, if it was two, maybe that's a little bit better, but three is going to be hard, but... Yeah. You know, we'll see what we'll see what he maybe he can he can kick up a bit more trade value than we give him credit for. Uh, but Dallas acquiring Josh Richardson, do we see anything special there? I mean, it's kind of just like a another. I just don't know. I mean, piece. I I loved Josh Richardson when he was on the Heat. I mm-hmm. thought he was one of those guys that was like very good on the verge of becoming a great player in the league, like a difference maker. But then, yeah, in Philadelphia, he really regressed. And I, I want to blame that on the system. I really do. But it's just so hard to see him getting back to that Miami Heat level. And maybe playing alongside a guy like Luka Doncic can do that for him. So the upside is definitely there. I don't really understand why they gave up Seth Curry to do this. I mean, Seth, Curry, I mean, he's thirty. That's not that old. I know Josh Richardson's a little younger than that, so you're getting a little more youth there. But I mean, Seth Curry, one of the best shooters in the league, and he showed he could really ball in the playoffs too. I mean, he had some tremendous games for them. Mm-hmm. So, and he's on a very friendly contract deal. Yeah. So I just, I don't really understand why they'd want to make this flip unless they, they really wanted to get a, like a pick out of it too. I don't know. I don't know. This doesn't seem like it's worth it. Yeah. I was a bit, uh, a little thrown off by it as well for everything you just said. Seth Curry was huge in the playoffs, uh, this year. Yeah. And he was also big for Portland la- uh, two years ago. So right. this guy can ball. I mean, he, 
he does his role and he does it better than most people. He's mm-hmm. a shooter and that's what he is. And he does it really well in the value contract as well in a league where shooters are going to start calling for more money here as we get yeah. in free agency and such. So <laughs> I'm a bit surprised too. But we'll see what Josh Richardson can add. He's a little bit more versatile, more of a scoring, can give you more of a scoring punch than a Seth Curry. Maybe that's that. Maybe that's exact. Maybe that's what this Dallas team felt like it needed. Yeah. Um, and I'm Josh Richardson's a better defender than Seth Curry. And mm-hmm. Dallas's defense was one of their weakest points of their game last year. So that that's kind of like the main angle I can see. But still, giving up a guy like Seth Curry doesn't seem enough to justify that. Yeah, agree. So now we'll go to some trades. These are quite a little bit minor. Well, I don't know. We'll see. Lakers getting Danny Schroeder. That's not minor in my book, Danny man. Danny Green and number 28 pick in the draft. I, I like this trade. I really like it. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure if we truly lose something intangible in Danny Green. Like I said, this guy seems to always be on winning teams, and mm-hmm. the guys loved him, it seemed. But Dennis Schroeder is exactly what this team needs. We need a dog. We need somebody who... Who, who can give us a scoring punch as well as distribute the ball well. And Dennis Schroeder fits both of those boxes. I mean, he's a small guy, so he's not that maybe the, the the toughest defender. And now we don't have somebody to truly fill in Danny Green's role, but I think, I think it was a good move given the value that Danny Green didn't quite give us uh, in the NBA playoffs. And his contract is a little tough to hold on to for another year, not when you can get a guy like Dennis Schroeder to swap for. Oh, yeah. Like, that that third scoring punch for the Lakers was really the only thing you were ever worried about as a Laker fan mm-hmm. because Kyle Kuzma was supposed to be that guy. And you were very confident last season that he was, was. going to be that guy. Last offseason, he was going to be a six-man-of-the-year candidate. I mean, he was he had 18 a, he, points a game. <laughs> he had a rough regular season with injuries and inconsistent plays. But when the bubble came and the playoffs started, I was a bit disappointed in, in what I saw. Thank God KCP and Rondo <laughs> and Caruso. It was truly the sum of those guys that, that ended up winning that, I guess, taking that third scoring role. It was never really one guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Dennis Schroeder is definitely – a dude who can step up and and really take the keys and be like, I'm going to be the third scorer. And I mean, he's shown a second and sixth man of the year last year and playing against a, playing with a great ball distributor like Chris Paul definitely um, took that out of him. And I think he'll find the same thing in a guy like LeBron James. Oh yeah, definitely. Like it's going to make his job so much easier. And what this signifies to me too, is by letting go of Danny green, I feel like the Lakers are all but assured to bring back KCP at this point. Yeah. Because I yeah, you you that was your starting shooting guard. Now KCP's going to come back in and fill that role for you. So, and I, I mean with like Rondo being gone, who knows what Avery Bradley's going to do? Like KCP's going to be the guy that they keep. So, expect yep. to see him not really on the market. Although, I mean, I don't know if this team like the Hawks makes him a deal he can't refuse and the Lakers will definitely be scrambling to find a guy to fill that position, but yeah, like like you said, you can't pass up on a guy like Schroeder um, with this type of opportunity. It's like you're not going to get an immediate impact with this late first-round draft pick. Danny Green kind of did what he needed to do for us, and so now you're looking at just getting that second championship. Like That's all that really matters. Yeah, I agree, and I think KCP needs to come back on another one-year deal. Let's go, KCP. <laughs> Give him another one-year $10 million. Yep, <laughs> just yeah, keep it rolling. Exactly. 
And this is this is another one also on the on the Western Conference. The Blazers getting Robert Covington from the Rockets for Trevor Ariza, a number sixteen pick and a twenty twenty one first rounder. This is this is that's a this big, is big move. Yeah, yeah this sneaky. is sneaky. Yeah, <laughs> this fills a huge hole for the Blazers. Which at the same time, I like Dennis Schroeder. But I'm like, why couldn't we get mm. Robert Covington <laughs> with Danny Green? And I mean, we uh, don't have the, the they number probably sixteen didn't want pick. Him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And who knows? I mean, maybe the maybe the Rockets feel a little bit better about the 2021 first rounder than the Lakers 2022 or 2023 yeah. first rounder. Um, but Robert Covington is big for the Blazers. I mean, this is a guy that I'm sure any team in the league would want to have, and it fills their gap pretty pretty well and and them struggling to have that three and d guy they tried gary trent at it and obviously they had carmelo anthony out there at times but robert covington just is a much greater piece than both of those oh yeah he robert covington is better than carmelo anthony at every level of the game at this point in Melo's <laughs> career this this is a great move for the blazers and probably like the most low-key move that happened over the last week or so but this just really does move the needle for Portland. Like mm-hmm. this, this is a difference making move for them because, I mean, the Rockets gave up a lot for Covington from the, for getting him from the Sixers, and now they're just swapping him over to the Blazers for really not that much. Just yeah, this signals to me to the Rockets that they are preparing for this team to go into a rebuilding phase, because you don't just give up a guy like Covington like this just out of the blue. Like, this is a great piece for a contending team. The Blazers are going to love having him, like you said, fill such a great role for them, replacing Carmelo Anthony in that starting lineup. And now they're going to be very formidable. The Rockets, I I have to assume that they're trying to move Westbrook and Harden. That's what we have to talk about is that, like, they're trying to figure out how much they can get out of the nets so that they can give Harden his chance to win a championship over there. And then you got to think that Westbrook's next, even though, I mean, who's even going to want him except for like maybe the Knicks still, maybe the Knicks still want Westbrook. I mean, they didn't draft a point guard, so maybe, maybe they still are looking at Westbrook. Um, so yeah, the Rockets, we're, we're going to be looking at them blowing it up over the next few weeks potentially, which man, it, it really kind of hurts. You know, like yeah. this Rockets team has built this identity has been a really fun team over the last few years. And you see their head coach walk, their their GM walk, and now their stars walking. Like this just signifies the beginning of the end for this Rockets team, and who knows when they'll be relevant again? It's 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 kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, you're right. How how much they gave up for Robert Covington? They flip them for lesser pieces, and then even I mean they traded away Trevor Ariza and then and the number sixteen pick. Uh, for a future first and second rounder yeah, from Yeah, they Detroit. didn't even use that number 16 pick. They're like, yeah, we're just going to wait for later. That That's crazier which, even too. Yeah, which kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of have a head scratcher, but I mean, the Pistons, I guess, are, are also on the, on the verge of potentially also continuing to play, you know, low level basketball for a couple <laughs> more years, but it, it is a it is a bit of a head scratcher. I gotta I gotta under I gotta see that project that Trevor Reese will probably get bought out by the Pistons. And if that's probably, the case, yeah. Lakers, let's bring this man home. Yo. <laughs> get Trevor Reese. <laughs> let's back. get Trevor Reese. But yeah, to let go of a piece like Robert Covington at the value that he's getting and what he brings to the floor, mm-hmm. it's, 
I'm even surprised the 76ers traded him in the first place, but you know that's yeah. that's another that's Alton Brand for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Robert Covington to the to the Blazers is is huge, and the Blazers again continuing their streak of being adamant that they are going to continue to put high quality basketball on the floor. So I love that about that franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Blazers, man, they're they're gonna be in the running for one of those top four seeds the regular season now with this move. This this is a big move, man. Like this, this yeah. is a great fit. Like Dame and CJ are going to be real happy with the franchise now. Like they've been so loyal to this franchise and then they make good moves like this. This is what you're talking about, right? With the Sixers, it's like just making like small positive moves. Yeah, small incremental gains. Like, I mean, if Dallas doesn't get Porzingis back, they got to be a little scared of the Blazers. Utah, if they oh, don't yeah. get Jordan Clarkson back, they don't make a little bit of changes here and there. Oh, they come might on. Be... You think Jordan Clarkson matters that much? <laughs> I mean, it's just another piece. I mean, if he's not on there, I think that makes the, the Utah You can pick Jazz someone lesson. else up. You can pick someone else up. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe with the Warriors out, the Blazers, yeah, you're right. Mm. They might be. Lo- we might be looking yeah. at them in the fourth seed, but mm-hmm. you know, we'll see. We still, we team still got moves to make. But another yeah. oh, trade, yeah. last still one, <laughs> last one of the night is a. This one's kind of interesting. The Nets getting uh, Landry Shamit, the Clippers getting Luke Kennard, and the Pistons getting Rodney Magruder in the number nineteen uh, pick. That was Sadiq Bay. That's who that Sadiq ended up Bay. being. Oh man! At first, I was like. We gave up Shamit for Luke Kennard? Like, why? Like, what, what's so good about Luke Kennard? But then, like, I was on Reddit, like, looking at the, the trade thread, and everyone was talking about how, like, oh, you know what? Luke Kennard's actually, like, the He's best player good. out of all of these guys. Yeah. Which I was I was shocked because, I mean, I had obviously he's been buried on the Pistons for a while. Yeah. I haven't really seen what he can do, but apparently he's just a better Shamit. <laughs> so I guess it, it makes sense that we give up Shamit in this trade. So I guess I'm okay with it. Uh, he's still pretty young. I mean, he's only going to be 24 going into this season. There's uh, a guy that averages 40% from three on his career, which is, I think, even better than Shamit. And uh, he can oh, do yeah. a little bit of playmaking too. I mean, he averaged four assists last year. So, yeah, I think this is a pretty solid move for the Clippers at the end of the day. Um, I, I've liked Shamit. Which is why I was so upset about losing him. I thought that he had a lot of potential for us, but I mean, Luke Kennard, uh, I guess, pretty similar player with just a little more, a little more flair. Yeah, this is a guy who's a little bit more rounded than uh, than Shamit, I feel. And he had a big year last year. Uh, made a big jump in terms of points. He is in his last con, his last year of his contract. So maybe the Pistons were just not looking to give this man an extension and were willing to let him go for the Clippers. Again, a team that's going all in. This is this is this is a solid. I think this is a a small plus yeah. for the Clippers. Yeah, that's a, that's another positive incremental move. You basically just traded Shamit for Kennard because Magruder is a nothing player. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so now completely just switching gears to the NBA draft, the 2020 NBA draft here to clo- you know to close the last last section of the podcast up is. There, there's a lot of names that were picked up tonight. A lot of names. And, and they we're not going to pretend to know we know the exact way to break down each one of those. So we're going to give it to you in, in a couple of easy buckets. <laughs> we're not going to oh. act like we know like any of these guys outside of like the top eight. <laughs> like the number 29th pick could easily just be in the G League in, next year and kind of just bounce around and never really become relevant. And this it's draft is so, so shallow. 
like yeah, exactly. it's just yeah like donovan mitchell there is gonna be a donovan mitchell guy it could be someone it could be josh green you know <laughs> like whoever the mavs pick josh green it could be him i like i literally have no idea like everyone outside of the top nine i don't have really heard much of um but we did a little bit of research i did a little bit of research to kind of we to figure out these winners and losers and whatever yeah, exactly. So we'll go with our biggest winners, and it's not necessarily draft the draft p- picks themselves or the kids themselves. It's you know overall, but yeah, the first yeah, one all, all, all encompassing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but overall, Anthony Edwards, I think he's got to mm. be one of the biggest winners. There was all this talk about Lamella Ball being number one, and him, you know, taking the and at the same time, here's Anthony Edwards, who's also a solid prospect and well deserving. I think he took the number one pick and. You know he's he's uh I guess a little more I guess you could it depends who you ask maybe he's more substance over flash of the flash <laughs> of Lamella Ball but I think he's a big winner he he ended up walking away with number one after everybody was saying that Lamella Ball was probably likely going number one. Oh yeah, I mean just the the grandeur that comes with being the number one pick you know like that that's something that he'll carry within the rest of his life. It's like I was number one like that's way cooler than getting pick number two or anything else you know yeah so he gets to join that upper echelon of people that's like this this guy was considered to be the best in his class mm-hmm. in this year which yeah that's that's a big win for him there's just a lot to anthony edwards you know i mean espn had a really long article which i don't know if you got to check out alan it's called like the pain and um i don't know so, something about anthony edwards but essentially talked about how he's like lost his mother and grandmother when he was a teenager and how football was really his first love. And he only really played basketball because he got injured um, in like his Pop Warner football days. And then he was able to dunk the basketball for the first time. He's like, that was fun. And then he just became really good at basketball, but he doesn't actually like watching basketball. Um, he doesn't see it as like his first love. I mean, I don't know. He just doesn't seem like he's as passionate about basketball as like you'd think a guy of his talent would be. So I, know, there's, there, I still think there's a lot of question marks with this guy. Um, yeah, so. I mean, I don't, I don't think he's a number one pick like a Ben Simmons was a number one pick or an Anthony Davis number one pick, where it's like, oh, we know he's going to be a star. I, yeah, I right. think there are fair questions. Uh, but I think for now, I think I'd let him walk away with this W. And obviously, I'm sure his family will enjoy the money that comes with being the number one. <laughs> Let's not forget that, that there is a difference. <laughs> yeah, between, there is a difference between being number one and number five in terms of dollar amount. And just as oh, Markel yeah. Fultz, he's out earning <laughs> a lot of a lot of guys who are more productive than he is. Yep. But he's got that number one pick. Hey, uh, J- Jason Tatum's got got that uh huge extension coming his way though which markel yeah. Fultz does not so <laughs> the tides are about to turn for <laughs> for that one yeah i mean believe it or not yeah lonzo ball and markel Fultz were out earning donovan mitchell by quite a bit the last the last three years uh despite mm-hmm. mitchell's production there and that's just that difference there so uh the second big winner is the ball family we got to give it up to these guys. Two out of the three <laughs> in the NBA now officially. Di- in top three picks, too. Exactly. Top three picks. LeVar Ball, you weren't as crazy as we all thought. You were 75% right. right? <laughs> hey, that's not bad <laughs> at all. One third. <laughs> yeah. What or do you think thirds? about LaMelo on the Hornets? Do you, do you like that? 
I guess this this that's a good segue to the next one. Jordan and the Hornets <laughs> are the next big winner. Michael Jordan and the Hornets, their franchise, I'm saying, is now has some cultural relevance, at least for now. So I like Lamella Ball there. I think this this team literally really doesn't have anything. So the insertion of anything promising <laughs> is good, and Lamella Ball is that. So I like it. And Lamella Ball has flash, and the Hornets have never had any flash. So at least that gives gives them maybe they'll get on some they'll get on TNT now and actually get on ESPN. <laughs> yeah, they might get one TNT game this year. Exactly. Lamelo Ball is a weird flash though. You know, yeah. he's not flashy in the very conventional sense of the word. He's more just like I don't even know what to think of this guy. Like <laughs> like he's not like that crazy Lavar type. And he's not like reserved like Lonzo, but he's part of that family. And you don't really know what to make of him because he seems kind of goofy, but apparently he's really smart. I, I don't know. It, it's very weird. He, yeah, definitely will make the Hornets more interesting to watch. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they integrate him with like Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham already being ball handlers for them that I don't think are going anywhere anytime soon. Um, yeah. It'll be an interesting fit. Yeah, from a basketball perspective, it seemed like all all signs were pointing towards them taking a big man here. Uh, but they ended up going with LaMelo. So, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. Mary Terry Rozier is, is almost on his way out. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I think they got to pay him for another few years of that fat contract they gave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Another winner, Sacramento Kings landing Halliburton down at the number 12 spot. This kid dropped a couple of spots more than most people thought, and Sacramento Kings had an opportunity to snag this guy. Yeah, I mean, Halliburton was a guy that was honestly in the top five in a lot of people's draft boards. Um, Not because of his star potential, but more because he just seemed like a guy that you could rely on. He looked NBA-ready. He didn't have a lot of holes in his game. And that's very attractive in a draft like this where you don't really know what you're getting with a lot of these guys, and I think you know what you're getting in Halliburton. Um, and the Kings, like, they showed the draft room after they drafted Halliburton, and they were all ecstatic that they, they were able to land this guy in the number 12 spot, and probably a guy that they weren't even expecting to be there. Um, so that that's one of those best available picks because obviously you already have De'Aaron Fox. Um, and he's now you hope you can resign him, but I guess if he does end up moving on from the Kings, you do have a ba- good backup in Halliburton. Yeah, solid. And then we got OKC, already mentioned them getting that pick in that trade and taking what could be quote-unquote steal of the draft, the project, Mm. uh, the Siberian giant, 18-year-old, (laughs) seven-footer out of Serbia. And there was this picture floating around of their family on draft night. You know, I think the most conventional American picture is you got the big family, you got the couch, Mm. the big screen TV, you know, some drinks. Uh, This family looked like a family, uh, like, I guess they looked exactly what you would think they'd look like coming out of a cold Serbia. Uh, they had the little computer monitor on their little hmm. small dinner table. Everybody was dressed extremely modest. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, just being a family watching their son get called to be drafted on a little computer laptop. <laughs> no signs of a party, no big family. It was just a little family of five watching this. So I thought yeah, that was pretty funny. That's nice. Yeah. Can we call this a win yet? Can we call OKC winners of this draft if we have no idea what this guy's going to become? 
I think I call it a winner because I think they got exactly what they wanted. They made that okay. trade. They got this guy, and if there's anybody who can possibly afford a safe project, it's OKC. Yeah, that's fair. And it's funny, too, because I was reading that uh, Sam Presti's love of this dude was, like, the worst-kept <laughs> secret amongst the GM circles. Like, everyone knew he was targeting this guy, which made it so he had to dr- trade up to draft him because he was afraid someone was going to snag him first. <laughs> Somebody was just going to leverage it against him. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure that's the game these guys play. But our next category is the safe ones did exactly what we thought they would do, and they <laughs> did it safely. Timberwolves <laughs> taking Anthony Edwards at number one, and the Warriors taking James Wiseman at number two. We kind of saw this. Warriors need a big man. James Wiseman is you know, arguably the best big man talent on the draft board. And they went ahead and took him. Timberwolves taking Anthony Edwards as opposed to the flashier uh, Lamella ball with a big, with a bigger question mark. Anthony Edwards, I think is the more uh, predictable prospect in, in the fact that he just came through the more traditional channel. Right. I mean, we're calling them safe, but I wouldn't call them losses. Like mm-hmm. I would even consider them wins in a way uh, playing it safe here, especially with these two teams. I mean, the Timberwolves, as along with Anthony Edwards, they were able to swipe, switch that number seventeen pick into late two late first round draft picks, and um, these other two guys, Leandro Balmaro and Jaden McDaniel's, who both have some promise too, adds a little bit of depth to this team. Um, so yeah, I think both teams are definitely looking a little better after after this draft. It's pretty pretty solid picks. Yeah, and now swinging for the fences. Now, Sean, you you got these two bullets here. <laughs> Why are these guys swinging for the fences yeah. here? Well, so the Magic at number 15, they got a guy in Cole Anthony that this was a top five prospect. And this is actually a guy that I mentioned in last week's podcast as one of those guys to watch for post lottery picks. And he ends up being right at the end of the lottery at number 15, which is around where people were, were pegging him. But this could be the Donovan Mitchell guy. Uh, more so than a lot of these other dudes because this guy has all the potential in the world. Um, he just had a very disappointing season at, I, I believe he went to UNC. Mm-hmm. Um, so and the Magic do have the opportunity to give him as well because they don't have a point guard that they're probably going to play ahead of him. So he's going to get be inserted into this lineup immediately. And we'll just see what happens. I mean, he's, they're going to be able to run with him and see what he can do. And he's going to get the opportunity right off the bat. Um, and then for Denver, this, I mean, Denver's been known for picking up their project guys, right? Well, this this is another big project guy, number 24. They actually traded into this pick. Um, so they're, they're really willing to get this guy and raise him as RJ Hampton. Um, this is another guy that played in the Australian League with LaMelo Ball, not on the same team, but on, on an opposing team. Another guy that chose that same path. Uh, he, was a, he was a top five prospect as well at one point in the 2019 season, and, and he has as much potential as anybody. Um, so this is another guy where Denver can kind of raise him the same way they've done with Michael Porter Jr., which looks like they're on track to do with Bull Bull. And this could just be another another notch in the belt for Denver, man. Just able to draft these dudes and do what other teams didn't think they could do with them. Yeah. Are they on track with Bull Bull, I guess? I think so. The <laughs> fact that they were even get, able to get him in game action in the bubble, I think was a huge win. Yeah, I guess because that's true. Within the first yeah, year. You don't even know, yeah, you didn't even know if he was going to be able to play 
So the fact they're able to get him on the floor and he's able to put up some shots. And now I think if they give him a chance to contribute, I think that they're going to be pretty happy with that too. So I, I, I like the trajectory, I guess is what I'm saying. Okay, I can I can agree with that. So let's go yeah. to the biggest losers here. <laughs> biggest losers of the draft. There's always those, you know, some people. Well, it's hard to completely judge them as the biggest losers, but we'll judge them within the context of this of draft yeah. night. Got the Chicago Bulls, and this was a head scratcher. We were all scratching <laughs> our heads on this one. Is Pat, reaching for Patrick Williams at number four. Uh, one of these guys that was just not really there for most mock drafts. Most people were not really hyping him up to be that far up. And it's not only just the player, Patrick Williams, but it was also who was available on the board mm-hmm. for, for the Chicago Bulls that seemed to make a little bit more sense, I think, in Topin and Okoro here and not really going with these guys, instead going for Williams. I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a little stunned by that. Yeah, I mean, he must have had a hell of an interview with them or something. <laughs> Like he must have done something to distinguish himself to this team that he was the perfect fit because I don't think anyone was predicting the Bulls to reach for a guy like this. Um, I mean, he's a good defensive wing. He's got great size. He's six foot eight, but like so is Topin. Mm-hmm. I mean, Orcoro six foot six, and he's touted as the best defender in the draft. Uh, and both those guys are available. You even could uh, chalk up Oneko Kongwu. Uh, it was that six foot nine center out of USC as a guy they could have drafted here, but you know, they they chose to go with Patrick Williams, and I I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how this works out for them because I feel like any of those other dudes they could put right in the starting slot at small forward or power forward, probably some more small forward since they got Markin in and and Wendell Carter still there. But uh, maybe maybe they thought Patrick Williams just fit better with their current roster. Uh, I don't know. Uh, he yeah. definitely wasn't the best player available in my opinion there. So definitely, yeah, like you said, a head scratcher. Yeah, and it goes back to that debate of whether you choose the best player available, the player that may make the best fit. I think with a pick at number four, given who you are as the Bulls, I think you should go after the best the best talent you could. And mm-hmm. I don't think they did that here. So, yeah. But, I mean, we'll see. Patrick Williams, maybe you you will prove us wrong. And another mm-hmm. set of big losers is the New York <laughs> Knicks power forwards, Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, and Taj Gibson. There's a young freshman, young rookie coming after your job, after your bag, and that's Topin. The New York Knicks getting him uh, here in, in, on draft night. I did not expect him to really fall to them, or nor yeah. for the New York Knicks to make the pick, but they did it. And I, I like this guy. He's probably one of my favorite guys in this draft. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I like it, and now New York's got to do some, do some maneuvering. But I also, because I also <laughs> hope that this guy doesn't just end up towards the end of the rotation or having inconsistent nights and sets of in terms of minutes and roles here, because they've got a lineup of a lot of power forwards on this team. Yeah, <laughs> more power forwards, man. And then we forget they had Marcus Morris last year for most of last True. year too. <laughs> they just love their power forwards, man. But, I mean, I'm happy for Topin because he is a New York born and raised kid. Um, so, he, I mean, I, in his post-draft interview, he was just he was oh. joyful tears, just so happy that he was picked by New York. So, you know that they're going to make a spot for this guy. Like, he is going to start for this team. They're going to give him the chance to be that star in New York. And yeah, that that does spell disaster for a guy like Julius Randle who just signed that big deal. So 
you got to think more moves are on the horizon for this New York Knicks team, and and maybe they'll end up getting Russell Westbrook. Like that might be that yeah, maybe they they ship off Randall and a few other pieces. Like that that seems like a likely scenario at this point with with the way that they drafted. Um, but yeah, Obi Topin, I I think that's like one of the first picks I've seen the Knicks make in a, in a while that I've actually liked. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of bummed that the Pistons picked Killian Hayes the pick before them because I wanted to see if they'd pick Neil Keenan 2.0. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they they end up getting bailed out in a way, I guess you could say, and they and they get a good guy in Topin. But uh, I, man, I hope they don't do Julius Randle dirty, man. That guy's still a great player. I think so. He's just going to, I think, yet again, struggle to truly find a home here. Mm. So we'll see. Maybe maybe they can figure out some way to put him together, but all signs point that that's probably not likely, at least not yeah. at this point. And then another big loser. I hate calling him a big loser, but at the same time. Semi-big loser, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Denny Adviha, the first player out of Israel in the NBA draft. And this guy was projected top five for most of the time, most mock drafts, and he fell all the way to number nine tonight. I mean, he still gets this hat. He's still going to the NBA, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't quite get the top five lottery money that he probably thought he would. Yeah, for sure. But still, I mean, like like you said, it's not a huge loss because he's still the highest ever Israeli prospect ever Mm -hmm. drafted. Like, no, no Israeli's ever gone this high. So number nine... Still great for this guy. And I think he goes to a Wizards team that he fits in really well with if they continue to have the same roster, right? Because yeah. <laughs> you got John Wall and Bradley Beal at the guard positions, and then you slot this guy in at small forward. Um, I think he can make an instant impact for this team, and he gets the opportunity to really show what he's made of um, without having the pressure of running a franchise quite yet, which I think is good for him because he's got a lot of development to do still. Yeah, exactly. And then the last one here, Sean, you added this one, the Boston <laughs> Celtics. What, what do we got to say about the yeah, Boston man. Celtics? Yeah, man, I mean, we heard so many rumors about Boston trying to do so many moves over this whole week. You hear rumors of them trying to give Kemba Walker to anyone that would listen to them. <laughs> you heard them maybe trying to make a move for James Harden. They have three first-round picks in this draft, and they probably tried every trick in the book to try to trade up to get one of those top 10 picks, and they couldn't figure out a way to do it. So what they ended up doing is drafting a guy named Aaron Nesmith, who I didn't even know was a available player before today. <laughs> Apparently he's a good shooter, but whatever. And then... They ended up trading one of those picks, which I think was just the last pick in the first round, which is whatever. But they traded that one for a future one because they're like, well, we don't know what to do with this number 30 pick now. (laughs) And then the other guy they drafted is just uh, Peyton Pritchard. You know, your your typical backup point guard style of guy. So they were looking to do something that would move the needle for them, and they didn't end up getting any of that. So I'd say that's a big loss for the Celtics when you're seeing the Bucks making big moves, you're seeing the Sixers making big moves, even the Nets now like mm-hmm. putting themselves in different situations now where they got another shooter in Shamit and they're looking to maybe even get James Harden. Um, I'd be worried if I was the Celtics of falling behind the rest of the East. Yeah, you're right. It's now been a couple of years of watch out for the Celtics, watch out for the Celtics with their packages and I guess this is a prime example of what happens when you just have a bundle of draft picks is they're essentially just <laughs> that. 
they're hype <laughs> until they're not hyped until there's yeah. an actual player behind it and then is that player even value is that player a value and, and it just never really ends up amounting probably to much and so yeah you're you're i can i can totally agree with that is that the celtics tonight did not really make a move to take them from eastern conference contender to uh, a sure fire, a sure shot into the NBA Finals out of the Eastern Conference. In fact, now it looks like they could they could be one of those teams again that gets pushed to six or seven games in the second round, but this time don't get lucky enough to to make that step into the finals. So, especially mm-hmm. with the Eastern Conference, that looks like it looks like it's getting tougher rather than than uh, smoother or easier for them. Right. Yeah. So, I don't. Know, I mean, yeah. If you're the Celtics, you can't be like upset. Because, like, you didn't get worse. So, you're not a loser that way. But, yeah, you, you probably felt pressured to make a move and you weren't able to really do anything. And you maybe they'll still be able to do something in free agency. I know they're trying to flip Gordon Hayward uh, for something at this point. I'm sure we'll see some more moves from the Celtics before this offseason's over. Yeah, we'll see. Still got the piece in Marcus Smart potentially to trade for something. Um, yeah. But... But to close the podcast up, final thoughts here is the unfortunate news that Clay Thompson might potentially have an Achilles tear. Uh, right now, they're just calling it a lower leg injury, and he's going to get MRI soon. But the Warriors' redemption tour is in danger, and we were just texting back and forth of how monstrous this Pacific division could have been with the Suns getting better, the Lakers defending the title, mm-hmm. Clippers obviously still a serious championship contender, and the Warriors coming back. And now this looks like this could have put put a sour taste in, in Bay Area fans and, of course, the Warriors franchise. So, uh, you know, hoping for the best for Klay Thompson. But if it's not the best and it is the, the worst-case scenario, we might have just – tonight might have just been the last thought of – a Warriors redemption tour that might have mm. already been that might be put to close here soon. It's so painful, man. I mean, even yeah, it's like obviously we have not been Warriors fans for the last few years, and it was nice to see them fall off last year. But you knew that they were going to come back, and they were going to be the Warriors of old, right? Like the Warriors that no one could really hate, the Steph and Clay led Warriors with no Kevin Durant. Or any of that yeah. BS going on. <laughs> like this, this was a pure, purebred Warriors team, and you're really excited to see Clay come back and after missing basically the entire season plus plus some, and Steph Curry coming back and doing his thing, and then inserting James, a guy like James Wiseman into that lineup and seeing how it would work. But man, with without Clay, that that is just gonna hurt. It, it really hurts basketball fans too, because I mean this this would have just been a really fun team to watch and. Uh, yes, Clay, Clay is such a big part of that, and I really, really am praying that that is not an Achilles tear. But uh, yeah, signs are not looking good. Yeah, crossing our fingers here for Clay Thompson to. Yeah. Hopefully, we see the Splash Brothers here in, tw- in the 2020, yeah. 21 NBA season, but we'll see. But thanks everybody for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe and keep tuning in week after week as we break down the NBA and we get closer to the start of the NBA season. Yes, sir. Free agency in two days. Yep. Have a good Free week, agency. everybody. Woo.